0: Ready to study the word this morning? The title of the message is A Renewed Relationship with Yeshua, through Yeshua. A renewed relationship through Yeshua. Now, tonight, which is tomorrow, and I explained this last Shabbat. How many remember that? Tonight is tomorrow. Is when Yeshua raised from the dead. He was in the grave three days as prophesied. Wednesday night to Thursday night, day one, Thursday night to Friday night, day two, Friday night to Saturday night, day three. After Shabbat tonight, Yeshua raised. From the dead, some two thousand years ago. Now turn with me to Vayikra, Leviticus twenty-three, ten through fourteen, which says this:
1: Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it, and you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf. A male lamb of the first year without blemish, as a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah, of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord. For a sweet aroma And its drink offering shall be of wine, one-fourth of a hen. You shall eat it neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to the Lord your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings.
0: Now, after Shabbat tonight, it begins the Feast of First Fruits. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty through 21 says this,
1: But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. You see what verse
0: 21 says? If you didn't know what Adam did, you wouldn't understand that death came by man. And you wouldn't understand the second half of why man came the second time, the second Adam, to fix what happened with the first, and as a result was confirmed with a resurrection of himself and his first fruits. Mashiach, first fruits of the resurrection... Matthew 27:50 50 through 54 says this
1: and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit then behold the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the Saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection they went into the holy city and appeared to many so when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly this was the Son of God.
0: Well, let's chase a rabbit here. This is the reason why Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul, had to talk to the Thessalonians because they thought the resurrection had already occurred. Because what had happened in Jerusalem, Yer- in what had happened on that time frame. Yeshua He brought a first-fruits offering on first-fruits, on that feast. Now, first-fruits also is is a reference to various other things. We see in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 23, which says this,
1: Not only that, but we also who have the first-fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, Eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body.
0: So even the spirit, the royal kakodesh, which is a first fruit, which comes together in this whole package that God has put together for us, it, 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 it causes our bodies to yearn for that redemption that is to come. The first fruit of the spirit. But with this first fruit of the spirit, you also must act in the physical. How many know we're both physical and spiritual, right? We're both physical and spiritual. So we have to react to the spiritual. You saw Michael today up here. He's reacting to the spiritual, and it caused him to pause in the physical. You have to be sensitive to the spirit and act upon it in the physical. The book of James, chapter 1, verses 18 and verse 21 through 25, says this.
1: Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So, there's no verses
0: for this parasha, for this Shabbat, messianic or rabbinic, It is silent in our Torah cycle because the focus is on the Pesach, a new beginning, a new relationship with Elohim. So let us look at something. Vayikra 23 verse 4 says the following.
1: These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. So
0: we see holy convocations. Now let's continue on in Viagra 23, verses 5 and 6, which says this.
1: On the 14th day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread.
0: Now let's go to Vayikra 23, verse 7,
1: which says this. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. Another holy
0: convocation. Now let's continue on with Vayikra 23, verse 8, which says
1: this. But you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord for seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. So, seven days, and then in seven days, another
0: holy convocation associated with Pesach. Davarim
1: 16, verse 8 says this. Six days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a sacred assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it.
0: Another holy convocation. Now let's look at Bami
1: Bar, Numbers 9, 4 through 12, which says this. So Moses told the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the first month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did. Now there were certain men who were defiled by a human corpse so that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron that day. And those men said to him, We became defiled by a human corpse. Why are we kept from presenting the offering of the Lord at its appointed time among the children of Israel? And Moses said to them, Stand still, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If any one of you or your posterity is unclean because of a corpse or is far away on a journey, he may still keep the Lord's Passover. On the fourteenth day of the second month, At twilight, they may keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it.
0: Another holy convocation associated with Pesach. So let's think about that for a moment. And let me ask you a question. How about this? How do you know which Passover Yeshua was executed on? How do you know which one he was crucified on? Was it the first one? Was it the second one? Was it the third one? Well, in all of these, there's a clue. But this is a time that you all should talk about it during Oneg today. We're in tables. We sit around with each other. We're going to have conversations about the word and about the season, about the time. So mark this down. This is a time to think about this. Which Pesach was he crucified on? Which one was he executed?
1: Now, Bami 9.14 says this. And if a stranger dwells among you and would keep the Lord's Passover, he must do so according to the rite of the Passover and according to its ceremony. You shall have one ordinance, both for the stranger and the native of the land.
0: Well, this is interesting. One for the stranger and one for the native in the land. One that dwells among them and one that's for the land. So interesting. What kind of question comes out of this verse? Verse. So does this mean that the church should observe Pesach? Is that what it's saying? Should the church observe Pesach? Write it down. It's another discussion for Oneg today. I'm giving you questions to talk about, questions to think about, Let's not think about what's going on in the world today. Let's not think about what's going on around about us. Let's think about what this season is and the significance behind it. Now Pesach, this year with unleavened bread and first fruits are significant Pesach Season. It is a significant Pesach season. Why is that? Because it is a shadow of the same time period. Listen to me. It's a shadow of the same time period experienced in the first century when Yeshua gave up his life that we might have life everlasting. Can anyone say amen to that? That is why it felt or should have felt differently this year than from other times in the spirits. Michael said it this morning. Did anyone notice anything different spiritually? may not understand it, but did you notice something differently? If so, talk about it during Oneg. Now, Wednesday nights... We asked for forgiveness of our sins before we took our communion, doing it in the remembrance of Yeshua and what he did for us to purge us of sin. The book of Luke twenty-two nineteen through 20 says this.
1: And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you.
0: And all of this is done in remembrance of him around which holiday? Pesach? Pesach? Which one? Which one? 1 Corinthians 11, 24-25 says this.
1: And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, "This cup." But it says is the-
0: after supper, right? Doesn't say after Pesach, does it? Another problem. Talk about it, own Oneg. I hope somebody's writing these things down, so you don't run out of questions to talk to each other. Because I'm going to be coming around as a monitor to see what's going on. After supper, not after Pesach. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So now all of you should feel extra clean after communion. Right? We had communion after Pesach. During Pesach, you all feel awful clean, don't you? Well, do you? Did you? Let me ask you this. How long did the feeling last before you had to repent for sins again? Think about it. You don't have to share this with anyone, but think about it. How long was it from the time in which you took The Holy Communion, observing Yeshua, feeling clean, feeling pure, before you had to repent for sins again. How long did it last? Can anyone here say they haven't sinned since then? Anyone who raised their hand and say they haven't sinned then? Probably not. 1 John 1, 9 and 10 says this,
1: If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Why is this? Because the flesh
0: sins continually. The flesh sins continually in the mind and in our physical actions. We as human beings sin continually. I keep referencing Michael. He addressed this on Wednesday when he taught how the Torah cannot contain sins and you must be vigilant in asking for forgiveness and to work to sin no more. To work to sin no more. I thought we don't have to work. We're under grace. Another topic for Oneg. Write it down. It takes effort. Matthew twenty-six forty-one says this.
1: Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak.
0: You hear what that is? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak? How many know what Rav Shaul talked about, how the spirit and the flesh constantly fight against each other? It's like a balloon. How many took a balloon when you were kids and you squeeze one end and the other end gets bigger? And then you squeeze the other one and the other gets bigger? the same air in the same balloon but one's bigger than the other that's how we live as humans between spirit and flesh sometimes we're stronger in the spirit and weak in the flesh and weak in the spirit and strong in the flesh Galatians five sixteen through 18 says this
1: I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You need to be led by the Spirit, because the law
0: is used to keep the flesh in subjection, but it does not contain the flesh. Now, this word work is interesting. It's an interesting subject for what to do after the spiritual experience of Pesach by comparing it to something physical let's compare it to something physical and let's look at this example remember when Peter denied Yeshua three times before the crucifixion after he was buried and after Yeshua's resurrection what actually happened what did he physically do John 21, 1 through 3 says this.
1: After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way he showed himself Simon Peter, Thomas called a twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Stop.
0: You see how Simon Peter's mentioned? You've heard me teach this before. When Yeshua is addressing Peter, And Peter's in the physical, and he's dealing with things that are in the physical. What's he calling? Simon. Why? That was his birth name. What was his spiritual name? Peter. Kepha, right? He was, on this, I will build my church upon this rock. Peter. When Yeshua talked to him, he was referenced as Peter. When he's referencing things in the Spirit. Go ahead.
1: Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Now, what did he do physically, along with the other
0: Talmudim that were with him? There were seven of them that were there. What did they do? They went back to their old ways of life after The crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection. Back to their routines, they went fishing. But what then happens? When Yeshua shows up, let's continue on in Yochanan 21, verses 4 through 6,
1: which says this. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish.
0: You know what's interesting? You notice how he called them children? These were his Talmudim. But this is after his glorified body. This is after he has been established where he rules and reigns. Now he looks at his creation as children. What happens here? A miracle happens. And what does Peter do? John 21.7 says this.
1: Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. He gets into the water.
0: What did Mike say? He also addressed us in his message on Pesach the significance of getting into the water. Remember? He physically dresses and gets into the water. Why? Because he was naked. Now that may be the way they fished but there's a spiritual significance, I believe, to it because he was naked spiritually. John 1 or John 21, 8 through 14 says this and then we're going to come back to verse 9 but let's go through the whole context of these few verses And then we'll come back, these six verses, and then we'll come back. Go ahead.
1: But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to, to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. There's substantial significance
0: here there's reflections back and there's reflections forwards let's look at this by going back to verse nine then as soon as they had come to the land they saw fire of coals there fire of coals is there anything significant about fire of coals that Yeshua set this up why would he do that he was already in his glorified bodies in his spiritual glorified body Why is he setting this up? Does it sound familiar to you? Pause here and go to John 18, 15 through 18. Because coals are only mentioned twice. And they're mentioned in Yochanan, the book of John. Go back to John 18, 15 through 18. And look what is said here.
1: And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. And that was John. Go ahead. Now that disciple was known to the high priest, and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her, who kept the door, and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals Go, stood there. Stop.
0: Read that again.
1: Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals stood there. Go ahead. For it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Is that a coincidence? Only mentioned twice.
0: In the Greek, the same words used. In both contexts, is that a reminder to Peter? Is that to call him back to the time of his denial? In the time in which Yeshua was being under subjection to what he was? Burning coals,
1: Isaiah 6, 5-8 says this, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me.
0: See the transition that happens here, moving from the physical to the spiritual? There's so much significance in this event that's happening. Just not feeding these disciples, the Talmudim, for fishing during the night and not getting anything. There's a laying out of what the call on their lives were in this time. Let's go back to nine and says also. There were fish laid on it. Fish laid on it. Fish are mentioned four times in John, using the same <coughs> Greek word. Something come back to mind about fish and bread. Anything? Nothing let's go back to John 6 verse 9 says what
1: there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish but what are they among so many five listen to this five barley loaves
0: that tells you what season it was and what season was the barley harvest when Yeshua did the miracle that he did with the fish what was the what was it First one, first harvest is what? Pesach, spring, right? Barley harvest. We see, we glean that from that. There were five barley loaves. Five barley loaves. How many books in the Torah? Five. Who's the bread of life? The bread. The bread, meaning the loaves. Could he be referencing the Torah? Could he be referencing that? Then he says to bring a few fish caught. And he fed those disciples, the Talmudim, in the boats. Yeshua had two fish with him. He said, bring a few more. And he fed the seven nourishment and remembrance remembrance and nourishment trying to bring this concept what yeshua did now that he's in the spiritual how he can combine the physical and the spiritual together is there another time that comes to mind in peter's life where he had to deal with nourishment and remembrance acts chapter 10 you remember that when he was hungry on the roof He dreamed, and what did he dream about what? A sheet, right? And what was in this sheet? All kinds of things that he was not to eat. And what did he say? I never ate that, right? What's that tell us? You can all have ham. Right? Is that right? God made everything clean in that sheet, didn't he? Remembrance and nourishment... Peter was hungry, Simon was hungry, and through that dream came something that Peter realized that he cannot call Gentiles common, he cannot call them dirty, he cannot clean them unclean because the Ruach HaKodesh in Acts 10 was poured out upon them just as it was on them in the upper room on Acts chapter 2. Remembrance and nourishment. Could it be this whole scene that was set up the coals are pointing to prophecy that the bread is the Torah and the bread of life of Yeshua because he is the word and he was made flesh and now he's glorified. And the fish are mankind but they are God-given mankind that are destined to choose between Yeshua as their Mashiach or reject him. The Father gives gives us to the Son. It's his gift. Yeshua shows himself three times. Now, after his resurrection. Now, remind you again, Michael told us about the people camping on the riverbank. How many remember that? Anyone remember that? I remember it. Put it in the teaching. Camping on the riverbank and no one getting into the river, no one immersing themselves immersing oneself in the spirit which is different from the flesh. How many understand that? Talk about it at neg. Let's continue reading. This time I'm switching versions. The King James Version that the Apostle Paul used to the NASB the more literal translation and the reason I'm switching there is for a discussion on the literal translation of the Greek here John 21 15 through 17 which says the following
1: now when they had finished breakfast Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John Do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep.
0: You know, I think it's interesting. Peter's hurt because Yeshua said for a third time, do you love me? When Peter denied him three times, I wonder what Yeshua felt, the rejection he felt, even though he prophesied that he would do that. Now there's a correlation between Yeshua saying love three times and we've talked about it before and I'm not going to talk about that meaning for this morning because I want to talk about the other thing that's talked about three times and that is feed my sheep. I want to talk about this and let's look at the word feeding. You see the feeding appears to be a progression the feeding appears to be a correction. First, it tends the lambs. The lambs are young. They need to be kept. They need to be pastured. They need to be fed. They need to be protected by the shepherd. And there needs to be compassion around that lamb. How many know the example of David who, who held the lamb because he broke his leg and he held him for, until it healed? and that bonding that was related to that lamb and David, King David, uh, and when he was a shepherd boy, how the significance around that was important, established in that relationship between the shepherd and between the lamb. Then we see where it progresses on to feeding my sheep. But the sheep feeding here is guiding and uh, supervising and ruling. As they're maturing out of the lambs, they move into the sheep and then, and then they need to be supervised, directed, guided, but not a guidance of a forceful guidance, but a guidance that the sheep follow, the shepherd. And then the third one is the sheep feeding once again, being fed, and being fed by the shepherd, where they are mature, but they still need to be fed. You see, sheep follow a shepherd. Cattle don't follow a shepherd. Sheep will follow a shepherd. Why? Because they know they're safe, they're fed, they're tendered, they're ruled, they're protected. Where cattle have to be driven. They're driven by ranchers. The sheep follow who takes care of them cattle just get pushed. There are many congregations today where the sheep are cattle and they're pushed instead of being shepherds where the sheep can follow. Now, some sheep are rebellious. That's why sometimes the lamb's leg got broke and had to be held by the shepherd for a while for it to heal. That's where the word of God helps to straighten out those lambs, but it has to come from the shepherds bringing forth the word to help mature God's sheep. Now, it isn't until the Ruach HaKodesh falls in Acts chapter 2 that we see Peter's change, we saw him transition from being on fire in the physical, ready to die for Yeshua, rejecting him, going back fishing, but he's still in the flesh. The Ruach HaKodesh hasn't poured out. It has not entered into his body. He has not become possessed with the Holy Spirit. He's not been possessed by the Comforter. He has not been possessed by Yeshua living inside of him. But now... From Acts chapter 2, as we read, he's full of the Spirit of God. Acts eight says this,
1: But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. People have to have his Ruach HaKodesh in them to
0: be a Talmudim of Yeshua. John 16.13 says this,
1: However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And once this happens, people,
0: you don't go back fishing. You can't go back fishing, you have to be changed. We teach it every year you have to be different this year than you were last year and you have to be further along this year than you were before constantly learning constantly working for the master who we serve Luke nine twenty six says this
1: but Jesus said, I'm sorry
0: not, I'm sorry 962 says this
1: but Jesus said to him no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one is
0: fit for the kingdom of God. With the Spirit, you can utilize the gifts God has given you for his service when he fills you with his Spirit, when you ask him in, when you accept him as your Messiah. So the takeaway is this. Since Pesach people... Don't look back. Don't look back. Go forwards. Go forwards. In the Hebrew, there's a word called kadima. It's used in many ways. It's used in modern terms today as kamima. It says, come on, let's do it. It means to go forwards. It means to march. So what is our charge? Our charge as believers in Yeshua are to share the gospel of Yeshua with others. Don't sit around like you're sitting around the pool in Bethesda waiting for the pools to move and you're getting fed for yourself. That's not our role. We need to go out and work and share the good news of Yeshua with others. Now, you have to follow the spirit that's in you and be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, but you have to follow what God tells you, but you have to witness. We have to witness the gospel of Yeshua, which is the spirit of prophecy. Matthew 28 18 through 20 says this
1: And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen.
0: That's our our charge. That's our charge. Every generation, that's our charge. Everyone that belongs to Yeshua, that's our charge. He's our king, that's our charge. We're going to be asked. That's our charge. We need to say Kadima. Kadima. Say it with me. Yeah, you're ready to march and go forth. Kadima. Say it like you mean it. Say it like we're in a battle. Because we are in a spiritual battle, people. We're in the end times. And we face the enemy every day. We need to move in his power. And we need to say... Amen. It is our duty to praise the Master of all, to ascribe greatness to the Author of creation. For He's made us unlike the nations of the land; has not placed us like the families of the earth. He's not made our portion like theirs, and our lot like their multitudes. And we bend the knee and bow and acknowledge our thanks before the king over kings, the Holy One, blessed be he. He stretches out heaven and establishes earth's foundation. And the seed of his glory is in the heavens above, and the presence of his powers in the most exalted heights. He is our God, there is none other. True is our king, there is nothing beside him, as it is written in us, Torah. And you shall know this day and take to your heart that the Lord, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth below, there is none other. Amen.